Hey friends, today's episode is brought to us by our good friends at Chemistry Staffing. You know, one of the things that they really never did teach us at seminary is when is the time to move on from our current church? Over the last couple of years, I've been having a ton, a ton of conversations about this with pastors all over the place. And they really haven't thought through really what does that look like? How do I know when to move on? Well, that's why I'm so excited about this brand new free resource that my friends at Chemistry Staffing are list are offering to you, our listeners. If you go to chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary, you can download one PDF that contains two ebooks, When to Leave and Before You Go. Both of these ebooks are probably the best resource that I've seen for ministry leaders who are really wrestling with this question, when should I leave? And if I've made the decision to leave, what should you do before you go? I want you to drop by chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary to pick this up. It really is amazing resources. It's a two for one pack of these two resources, when to leave and before you go. And while you're over there at, at Chemistry Staffing, you'll notice that they have a number of job openings. This is a time of year where there's some fantastic churches that are looking for new team members and that you might be that team member. Or, you know what you could do, and I've done this, where you'll see a, a church that's looking for someone and you might know someone who would be great in one of those roles. But you know what? Look around, pass on some names to our friends at Chemistry Staffing. This is a perfect time of year to do that. Again, that's over at chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have uh, tuned in today. You need to buckle up because we've got our friend of the show, Dr. Warren Bird. Uh, He's been on multiple times. I think you're the most guested person on Unseminary. He, one of these people, whenever he's got something, I love to get him to come on because he's got such great insights. Uh, If you don't know Warren, he is the Senior Vice President of Research at the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, or more popularly known as the ECFA. He's an author of over 30 books. Uh, But the thing I love about Warren, although that is all true, he really has a heart for churches and for church leaders. This is not just some like academic study. Uh, It's not because he thinks it's interesting, fascinating from a a laboratory point of view. He wants to see churches thrive. And so uh, honored to have you on the show, Warren. Uh, Welcome back. So glad you're here. Rich, thank you. And this is really full circle in that you were the very first person when we came up with the idea of what became the nation's largest, I'm sorry, North America's yes. largest <laughs> study on uh, church planting and uh, multi-siting. You were the one that said, okay, give me a first crack at what do you think yeah, you're going to yeah. find and what are some Love of the it. early stuff? And uh, Rich, you your enthusiasm for what God is doing then and now to have some actual numbers to go with it mm-hmm. uh, remains undiminished. And I love talking with you. 
Great. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate that's a, that's kind words. I, yeah, we were just before we started, I loved how you're saying you literally just kind of did the last analysis on this kind of give us an overview of the study for folks that maybe didn't listen into that first podcast or two. What, what was this most recent study? And then we're going to dive into some kind of specific findings that, uh, I find particularly, um, fascinating, but what, why, what were you setting out to try to do with this? It's a landmark study, huge study. What were you trying to do with this one? We really wanted to find the state of church planting and how mm-hmm. it parallels to multi-site campusing mm-hmm. uh, across North America. That hasn't mm-hmm. been done. There are so many angles you can go that what I did is I set it up so everybody got 15 minutes of questions, but not mm-hmm. the same 15 minutes, which enabled mm-hmm. us to do drill down uh uh, reports. We've done one on race and multiracial churches, on funding, you know, how do you finance a new church? Where are the snag points? On the pandemic, what are implications from the pandemic? On the one we're going to look at in particular today on multiplication, replication, uh, what's happening there? So I, I hope that when it puts all together, people will have a realistic picture mm-hmm. of of what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And then they can diagnose, okay, what what do we need more of? Where does God mm-hmm. seem to be blessing that we need mm-hmm. to put more energy into and so forth? Yeah, I love it. One of the things I love about your work, Warren, is like there are people, yeah, even like folks like myself who will like do a survey and I'll get a hundred people on a survey and then I'll say like national survey based on a hundred people, but man, you're t- over 2,700 participants, 2,300 church planners and founding pastors, 387 multi-site directors or campus pastors, 50 plus denominations, including Southern Baptist, ARC, you know, both Canada and, uh, and actually I was impressed by this as a Canadian, US was 92%, Canada's 8%. That's an impressive amount of Canadian representation. I think, you know, the fact that we're 10% of the population size of, of the US, that's, that's amazing. Um, I, I love this. So friends, the thing I love about Warren is he, he takes the data science side. I think that's the right word of this very, you know, seriously, like this is, Hey, we want to actually make a real survey here. It's not just like, Hey, let's pull a few friends on Facebook and see what they're, what they're saying. So the, the thing I want to dive in on is particularly this multiplication and replication, particularly. So churches who plant churches, campuses who plant campuses, um, what are you looking for? You know, the kind of big overarching question, what are the best predictors of a church's ability to multiply itself? To me, that's like the $10 million question. If we can figure that out, oh my goodness, you know, the kingdom of God could go forward. There's a number of things that we, um, you know, could start with. You you talk about uh, in the very front end of this kind of um, this part of the study, you, you talk about a finding around kind of what churches talk about their vision for multiplication. Can you pull that apart for us? Absolutely. And just so you know, Rich got to preview a report that by the time (laughs) this airs will be just fresh off the press. They are F-R-E-E at (laughs) ecfa.org slash surveys, plural, ecfa.org slash surveys. That's the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, as you said so articulately. And Rich and I are going to kind of talk through the uh, report that's titled Multiplication. And yes, Mm -hmm. let's go to vision first, because Mm -hmm. the first finding that we present in this one is, is we ask, okay, so the the desire to create a network of multiplying churches, that's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. That's a big concept. Mm -hmm. That's, I don't know if 20 years ago, I could have we could have rattled that off and people would go, oh yeah, I know what you're talking I know about. What that but means. I think yeah, today no, that's true. most people get the idea of a network 
of multiplying churches. So mm-hmm. when you launched, how mm-hmm. much was that part of your vision? Yeah, was amazing. it not at all, a little, very much? So we took the mm-hmm. extreme part of the scale, which was mm-hmm. very much, and mm-hmm. and drum roll, the percentage was of new churches, 36%. So that's, that's amazing. more than more, just over one out of three said, when we launched, mm-hmm. we were already thinking, praying, dreaming mm-hmm. that there would be more than this one location. Now, maybe that was microchurch thinking. Maybe that was megachurch thinking. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the dream, the vision, and hopefully the calling mm-hmm. was there. That knocks my socks off in and yeah. of itself. When I planted a church, Rich, the first church mm-hmm. I planted, my goal was to get to the next Sunday. I, yes. I never <laughs> once stood up and said, someday. God is going to use this motley group of people and we are going to impact our county Mm -hmm. by having multiple churches coming out of it Mm -hmm. or impact our world for that matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I thought the same thing when I read this this finding because similarly, I I self-reflected and I'm like, man, the kingdom of God's in a better place today than it was 20 years ago. I've been involved in in the front lines of multi-site for years. But when I think back to when we started, we we were celebrating an addition strategy. We were saying, "Hey, we're and and we thought it was a big deal. We're like, wouldn't it be amazing?" And you know, our original thing was, "What if we did one campus a year for five years?" But there was no conversation around. And someday those campuses will launch campuses. That 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 wasn't that wasn't a part of the dialogue. Now in this same part of the study, what I did find interesting was there wasn't particularly on the multi-site campus side. There was an accelerating. There seems to be an accelerating factor that people are seeing that they're 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 kind of seeing that more now than they did when they began. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so actually there are two columns in this first mm-hmm. chart. The first first column is, okay, when you first launched, was it very much part of your vision or what percent mm-hmm. said very much part of your vision? If that's not enough, then when we ask, and today is mm-hmm. it very much part of your vision, that number or percentage went up both mm-hmm. for church plants and for multi-site campuses. So mm-hmm. the vision one year, five years mm-hmm. later, whatever it is in your experience, mm-hmm. it's going up. It's increasing. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And the multi-sites actually uh, registered a little higher. Uh, today, mm-hmm. 52% of multi-sites mm-hmm. say, this is part of our vision to keep adding campuses. Yeah, that intuitively works out. Like I would say the churches that uh, that particularly will call it like in whatever this era is, in this, I had someone recently ref- I heard referred to this as the pandemic era, and I was like, I don't really want to call it that. But this time frame, like this kind of COVID-y time frame, churches that are still talking about doing multi-site, um, they are. I would say there's a high percentage of the conversations I'm having where they're asking that question. It's like, you know, maybe maybe we'll work harder on you know on granddaughter or even great granddaughter campuses. Maybe well, there's, yes. we need to spend more time there. Let, yeah. let me correct myself. I said just mm-hmm. a minute ago, adding campuses. That wasn't mm-hmm. the question. It was mm-hmm. multiplying right. churches. So it's yeah, the yeah, it's it. the granddaughter and great granddaughter and grandnieces and and all of those that come right. from one thing starting another. Love it. One of the questions that comes up, and it it. Uh, <laughs> Like this, every time I'm talking to a church, coaching a church on the front end of multi-site and they're, you know, particularly, and that's been my, you know, that's been my background. 
it's it's literally the like million dollar question that everybody asks, which is what kind of size of launch team should I have? What side, you know, what, it, what should we be doing? It's like every time we keep asking that question was, did you find in your findings here that there's a correlation between the size that, uh, you know, that, that churches are, whether they're multi-sites or campuses, or I mean churches, that there's like a correlation between those and then their ability to then ultimately multiply. Did you see a connection between those two? Well, that's really two questions. The first is we did find a solid ratio between core group size pre-launch and launch uh, day. Now, again, Mm -hmm. this this is the kind of tipping a hat towards a launch large or or mm. launch public or or at least mm. have a definitive launch day and not all mm. churches do i get that mm. but mm. of those who who could say yes our church was officially birthed on this day mm. the ratio was consistently 1 to 3 so if i mm. had 10 people in the core group there were 30 on that mm. opening day if i had 100 people in the core group there were 300 on that opening day now to your the next Can I just part stop for a second? Uh, so this I uh, this is a part of why I, I love, and I said this when we were off air. But this is a part of why I love your research, and it's going to sound re- this is going to sound really selfish, friends. Like that one to three ratio, I've said so many times to people. I'm like that that it, like it works out anecdotally. We see that in so many different conversations that we you know time and again. If you're looking for what does that look like, how you know, and the fact that we're actually seeing that. It's great. I love it. That's that's fantastic. What I love when you know those things. I also like when we're proved wrong. But that's kind of a fun because uh, one to three. Literally, just yesterday, I was talking to a church on the one to three core. So keep going. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, and that that really then says okay. So what kind of church do you believe God is calling you to lead? And mm-hmm. and their financial, you know, what is your financial model for for mm-hmm. eventual sustainability in terms of what what you're dreaming. Uh, will happen. But that that one to three really can be repeated again and again that that, mm. OK, we had our initial launch. We had our our our, our big Sunday launch. We had our grand mm. opening. We had our mm-hmm. I've known churches that have done up to seven different launches mm-hmm. each time, mm-hmm. seeing somewhat of that ratio that whatever we had at that moment uh, mm-hmm. by pulling out the stops and making a big invite mm-hmm. and bring event um, mm-hmm. that that we uh, surged ahead. So mm-hmm. now the second part of your question is, and mm-hmm. what is the predictability of replication? Mm-hmm. And I did not find a size. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I have 2,700 responses, so I can slice and dice <laughs> by right. when the church started. So, well, let's look at three-year-old churches. Let's look at five-year-old churches. I found more of a correlation with vision. And mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. put a chart in the report mm-hmm. on that where mm-hmm. we ask people, here's the question, how many times your church will multiply in the next five years? And we asked this one just to church planners. Mm-hmm. And they that was a fill in the blank. And mm-hmm. you could fill in anything from zero. You could write in the number zero to one, mm-hmm. two, three, four. So I picked the two extremes. Mm-hmm. Those that wrote in zero, not mm-hmm. I have no vision to multiply over the next five years. And I mm-hmm. picked those that said 10 or more times. It's like, mm-hmm. whoa, 
Yeah, yeah, and again, mind-blowing. This yep. may be microchurches, mini churches, uh, a church across town, who knows, missionary mm-hmm. churches overseas that we're going to send teams to. I, they didn't define how, but that is a huge vision difference. Mm-hmm. And the point I'm making on this, later in the survey, we said, so the mm-hmm. church that you're serving Describe the people in terms of are they, you know, what percent would you say are, are converts? What percent mm-hmm. are are renewal, which would be which I defined as kind of the de-churched people who had some kind of relationship with God or church mm-hmm. and, and dropped out and are now coming back. Mm-hmm. And we also had transfer growth and we had biological growth, having children. Mm-hmm. And and the churches that had big vision also had. That's At least amazing. reported, <laughs> yep. yes, <laughs> very large conversion and renewal in right. their congregation. And same thing, we ask, uh, you know, what's your attendance uh, at your biggest at your big gathering, uh, mm-hmm. worship attendance this year, last year, year before, and so forth, so that we could chart, including pre-pandemic, for those that were had been launched in, in several years ago, uh, what your growth rate was, and mm-hmm. we found that churches with big vision. Mm-hmm. We're also markedly growing at a yes. much faster rate. Now, I'm not giving causality. I don't know which right. which came yes. first, chicken or egg. I'm yep. just yep. saying that among those churches that are dreaming big, mm-hmm. they're also seeing more significant reporting, more significant conversion, renewal growth, and uh bodies people yeah impact so uh, so this one i love that you're highlighting this and friends you i want i don't actually going to give you the numbers because i want you to go and get the study i want you to go to ecfa.org forward slash surveys and actually get it but to be honest the the difference between those two i found shocking the annual growth rate since launching the it's it's not like a small difference it's a giant difference um, you know, the conversion rate versus renewal rate, it is, it's bigger. It's definitely bigger, the kind of churches that have bigger vision, but the actual growth rate, man, is, is amazing. So I know this is the kind of question you maybe don't like to, to answer, but help us work that out. What is that? What do you think's happening there? Is it churches that are, they're articulating vision around multiplication, they're articulating there's, and then they're building systems towards that. And so that's generating opportunities to, you know, they, then that ends up kind of driving growth or what, what do you think is actually happening there? Again, that might be an unfair question I know to a surveyor. Other <laughs> solid sociological study mm-hmm. that clarity of vision mm. is a core issue yes. in the growth of a church. Right. More than theology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I may be a theologically liberal church, but if I have extreme clarity of vision, we are about this one thing, mm-hmm. which in a broader theological spectrum, you don't find as much. They're the ones mm-hmm. that are growing. And likewise, mm-hmm. among evangelical conservative, whatever uh, mm-hmm. label you use for those mm-hmm. that are more focused on uh, on needing that faith in Jesus Christ, both mm-hmm. to to transform my life and to use me to transform this world while we're populating heaven. Mm -hmm. Um, That focus, that clarity always Hmm. goes hand in hand with growth. Hmm. That doesn't necessarily guarantee it, but it's very rare to find a growing church that's not uh, marked by unusual clarity of vision compared to other churches. Hmm. Interesting. Fascinating. Again, that works out even just 
on the you know pedestrian you see that like you see that in churches that that have um yeah that have a laser focus on they have core conviction around you know what does the bible teach and what are kind of imperative around uh reaching people around us that does translate you see that you know that translates where when that goes soft there be, does become like a okay so why would we do that <laughs> like why you know which is interesting now later in the study you talked about I was like, is Warren picking a fight on this one? New churches that grow are more, more focused on evangelism, less on helping existing believers. I, well, first of all, I love that you were trying to to tackle this question. This is an interesting question. Um, it's the kind of reach versus keep question. Are we driving towards trying to reach new people with the gospel of Jesus, or are we trying to help those people who are already help me understand what you were saying here? And I know you're not trying to pick a fight, but help us work through what you found. And what does that look like there? Well, sort of, I am trying to pick a fight (laughs) in that I spent a good year before we finally framed the survey, talking to church leaders and say, okay, if there was this state of the church of new churches and and all, yep. what do we need to measure? And the immediate mm-hmm. response is, well, well, sure, measure attendance, measure numbers, but but get beneath that, people would underscore, mm-hmm. and measure mm-hmm. discipleship. Are we mm-hmm. making disciple makers, people mm-hmm. who reproduce themselves, people mm-hmm. who not just show up with their bodies, but, but they are being transformed uh, by the mm-hmm. power of God in becoming mm-hmm. more like Jesus Christ? That is not an easy issue to survey. Yes, so, yes. So in this particular question, we simply mm-hmm. ask, where is your focus? Uh, and and again, we used a scale, and I mm-hmm. took just the very much, which was the, mm-hmm. the high end of the scale, okay. uh, on the issue of evangelism and discipleship. And then I sliced and diced and said, okay, Let's break that into um, growing churches, not growing mm-hmm. churches, uh, all kinds of, of ways of parsing that out. And mm-hmm. I found a real difference that growing mm-hmm. churches do have a higher focus on reaching the person who's not here mm-hmm. than they do on helping the person who's already there grow mm-hmm. in their faith. Um, again, it's uh, hopefully there's a lot of overlap, heavy overlap mm-hmm. between those categories. Mm-hmm. But given that you had two different categories, uh, that's what we found. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I found that that one stood out to me. Um, you know, I think we time and again a part of so in my work when I help churches around church growth, the thing I keep coming back to time and again is it's it's, it's kind of using similar. It's driving at the same issue, but but coming at it from a slightly different angle, which is, you know, I'll say, listen, one of the main differences between growing churches and non-growing churches is growing churches or even fast growing churches train, equip and motivate their people to invite their friends, which I realize is one. It's not all of evangelism, but it's one piece of evangelism. And there's and I would contest it's like the starting place of evangelism. We got if I can't invite somebody to come to my church the chances of me engaging in a deeper evangelistic conversation is pretty low. Now, I know there are those people that do that. But the thing that I found interesting about this is it reinforces that idea that, hey, growing churches are, that's not a secondary focus. It's a primary focus. They're saying, yes, we've got to stay focused on that issue. And it also reinforces the 
the difference between discipleship and scholarship. I think sometimes we we use the word discipleship, but actually what we're what we're doing is we're encouraging people to just continue to consume information about Jesus. We're not pushing them to apply that. And I would say the ultimate application is reaching out to your friends. It's actually saying, hey, I want to tell other people about Jesus. That's the highest form of, of discipleship. But but we've all I, seen I churches- I found it a profound discipleship moment for me mm-hmm. this morning in the gym mm-hmm. as Love I it. was changing clothes. I mm-hmm. struck up a conversation the day before with someone He came back in and Mm -hmm. I prayed so hard, Lord, help Mm -hmm. me find a bridge to Mm -hmm. share my faith, to invite, Mm -hmm. to to talk with him about his faith, to invite him to a church event. And I go to a church that gives me lots of excuses and helps Mm -hmm. to be able Mm -hmm. to invite people and that it's a Mm -hmm. a friendly place. And well, I'm Mm -hmm. one of the greeters. I I like (laughs) uh, making people feel welcome. Uh, but yes. but it was a discipleship moment for me to try to yes. figure out how can I do the evangelism piece this morning? Mm-hmm. How can I show yeah. him God's love in a practical love way? It. Yeah, so good. I failed, by the way. Okay. And I'm praying well, that, that he'll be back next to me changing clothes the next time I'm there <laughs> and that God will give me another chance to... Uh, it's Open a vivid picture. Mouth. It's a vivid picture of Warren yeah, Bird at the gym changing. <laughs> It's great. It's great. No, I appreciate that. And you know, it's funny. I, we all have those. I, I, I whiffed on a similar experience. I was in a, there's a, I'm in this coaching group with a, a number of people who I'm not sure where they're, it's, it's around some kind of business stuff and I'm not sure where they're at in with faith. And we were, I was at a retreat this summer and uh, a guy who I did not know um, kind of where he was at with Jesus. And we showed up at the hotel and opening night, I was checking in and he comes up to me and he says, Rich, 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 I got to talk to you about it. Have you, I got to talk to you about something. And he pulls out of his, his book bag. He's like, have you heard of this guy, Erwin McManus? He wrote this book called the brilliance of Jesus. I heard him speak at this event and I've read this book and I'm so fascinated about what Jesus has to say. He knows I'm a Christian. And, uh, I was like, tell me more. And it's the beginning of a conversation. But I, again, to me, I'm like, those are, that's the real moment. Am will I lean in as a Christ follower at that moment to say, yeah, let's talk about that and continue yeah. that conversation is ongoing. And by the way, my pastor yes. who, who yes. encourages me to do those things would have checked the, we do evangelism is a slightly higher priority than discipleship. Rich, yeah. can I jump to yes. the, the, the golden nugget table. Mm -hmm. Love it. That's the decide. That's the multiplication predictor. Okay. Let's talk. We ask, I I talked to Dave Ferguson and a whole lot of people. And I said, Mm -hmm. I'm compiling, composing this survey. Give me your hunch, Mm -hmm. something that I can test of what Mm -hmm. you think is a predictor of Mm -hmm. whether a church is going to multiply or multi-site campus Mm -hmm. is going to multiply. And I asked, there were 12 of them I came up with from different people. Mm-hmm. And then I limited the responses to those who said they had multiplied already. Okay. 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 Yep, makes sense. So let's see what characterizes them. And let mm-hmm. me just hit the top three. Yep. Number one was in the last year, have you participated in a meeting that focuses primarily on church multiplication? In your city, regionally, anywhere, a national thing like exponential, but mm-hmm. have are you being pushed in that way? Are you finding mm-hmm. fellowship? Mm-hmm. Are you 
Are you being encouraged? Are you hearing, being reminded of what the scriptures say about mm -hmm. uh, multiplication? Mm -hmm. That was number mm -hmm. one. Number two, close behind. Are you, the leader, personally developing a named mm -hmm. apprentice leader such as small group level, pastoral level, or board level? In other words, do I have a church planting resident as part of our church? Mm -hmm. Do Am mm -hmm. I leading a small group mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. there's someone who is sitting beside me who knows that at a certain time period I'm leaving and they're mm -hmm. moving into the driver's seat? Do mm -hmm. I have a... a future board members that that mm -hmm. i'm cultivating and replicating wow mm -hmm. that's number two and number three does your church have specific goals for future mm -hmm. church planning if you aim at nothing you will surely hit it but <laughs> if you Love do it. aim and you do have that that helps with the focus issue mm -hmm. and then on down and i give the top 10 uh, in that list of those who have replicated. To me, that's just gold. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love that because this is, again, why I think a part of what you do is so helpful from, or lots of what you do is so helpful. This is one of those things that's like, you, you can get very prescriptive on the other side, which is, hey, if we're trying to increase the multiplication temperature in our church, if we're trying to turn up the volume on that, you know, the the parallel to what you've done with that chart there is, Let's do these things. Like, let's actually, how are we ensure that our people, like the three you talked about, how do we make sure that regularly, more than once a year, people are in conversations, in meetings where they're talking about multiplication? How can we ensure that our core leaders actually can have a named apprentice leader? And then do we have goals around those things? Let's actually talk about those and, and, and get them out. Um, and, and you can see in the rest of them, and again, you'll have to check it out at ecfa.org forward slash surveys to see the rest of it, but it's super helpful for a leader who's looking for, okay, what can I do to actually push this, this, you know, multiplication forward as a church? I love that. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, above that chart on that same page. And I, again, friends, you're going to have to get the whole thing. There's a ton here. We're not going to be able to pull apart all of it. There's a ton, even just in this, this one, which is just one slice of a much bigger study. There's lots of other things that Warren and the team looked at. Uh, interesting about the kind of the way people talk about the current way of doing church you know, the, the top three here were missional. So multi let, me set, let me set it up. Yes, set it up. Of churches that had multiplied, multiplied by their own yes. definition, we gave yep. them about 25 words. And we mm -hmm. said, so check as many as you want, but what describes your way of, quote, doing church? And Rich, mm -hmm. you gave the top one there. What did you say? Yeah. Missional. Yeah. Missional, multi-ethnic or multiracial was number two. And then online church, digital church, fidgetal. I can't believe people said fidgetal. Uh, okay, but so yeah. fidgetal was like three percent, but it was right. it it meant the it's same in that thing. category. So yeah. online was the uh, of those three choices. Online mm -hmm. was by far the more popular. Digital mm -hmm. was way down the list, and fidgetal was near the bottom, but it was like two or three percent. So it, that added to to be, become part of the thirty four percent. Yeah. And Mitch, you know, it's interesting. Again, I was in, I was in a conversation literally just yesterday where we were talking about uh, increasing invite culture stuff. And I had a pastor who I dearly respect came up to me after, and we were talking and, you know, he didn't ask it this way, but essentially what he was asking is he's like, Hey, isn't the attractional church movement kind of dead? Shouldn't we just be missional? And, um, and he's, he didn't say it like that again. He wasn't that aggressive around it, but you know, missional is a, and my pushback was, yeah, all missional is saying is like you have a mission for a church. You have a you have a 
Um, you're, you're clear on what you're trying to do. You're outward focused. You're not about yourself. You're trying to make a difference in your community. It means a lot of different things in a lot of different contexts. When you think of that missional word there, again, 54% of people self who are in these churches that are growing, multiplying, they're identifying as missional. How do you unpack that? What does that look like? What do you think that means? What do you think that's saying? Clear focus. We know Mm -hmm. what we're about. Mm -hmm. We are excited Mm -hmm. about our relationship with God and about Mm -hmm. bringing as many others as Mm -hmm. possible into it. We give Mm -hmm. opportunities for that. That was Mm -hmm. another question we ask. Mm -hmm. So how often do you give people an opportunity uh, to receive Christ, to become a follower of Jesus Christ? And I worded it generically so that it it wouldn't Mm -hmm. uh, uh, limit. But the idea is... uh, and I, I said weekly, monthly, uh, more often than monthly or never. And mm-hmm. I was delighted by how many people mm-hmm. said weekly. And, you know, sermon, I, I'm sorry, survey construction, looking mm-hmm. back, I probably should have said almost weekly, but I didn't. I said weekly. And mm-hmm. uh, and growing churches, especially in this case, larger growing mm-hmm. churches are mm-hmm. the ones that have the most consistent uh, invitation of sorts. Yeah, I love it. I love too on that that list. I loved personally, which may be a little bit counterintuitive. I love that multi-site as a way people describe themselves is farther down on the list. One of my things that's bugged me for almost two decades is when people like to me, multi-site is just a way to an end. The end is reaching more people, is seeing people come into relationship with Jesus and seeing those people reach more people. And, you know, for years when people are always like describe themselves as like, we're one church in three locations. I'm like, don't describe yourself like that. That's not, that's a, such a small vision. This it's, it's, you know, it's, and I'm a huge fan of multi-site. Uh, but I, I love the fact that people are, you know, that even that is like a, is a falling to scripture, even though I'm a huge fan of multi-site and, and that approach to so, life. So Rich, let me just jump in and tell you mm-hmm. the big finding from the report where we compare mm-hmm. multi-site and church sure. planting. Mm-hmm. And the biggest finding, at least in my opinion, is they fuel each other. Right. If you yes. are a church planner, you are more likely to favor and support multi-site. If you are multi-site, yes. you are more likely than non-multi-sites mm-hmm. to favor church planning. The two feed each other. They're, initially, when multi-site movement started, they're, always you ask the questions, what are the unintended consequences? What are the toxic mm-hmm. pieces? And, and mm-hmm. oh, it's going to kill church planting. No, it no, has no. fueled church planting. Yeah. And for sure, like, and I've seen that just anecdotally in the, like you, the longer I'm in multi-site, the more I realize that is one tool that fits in certain contexts, but it's, it doesn't fit all. If we're, if we're interested in actually multiplication, if we're interested in seeing people who will reach people who will reach people, we have to have multiple approaches, not just one. And so, yeah, love that. This has and, been and incredible. And let's not oh, underestimate that, that mm-hmm. third listed item of online, digital, digital, whatever you call it, mm-hmm. that that this is a huge audience. This is a huge uh, way of, of doing, mm-hmm. going back and forth. Uh, like mm-hmm. my wife and I lead mm-hmm. small groups. Sometimes we meet online, sometimes mm-hmm. in person. And, and mm-hmm. they, they intertwine. It's just one more way, not only to reach more people, but to make church possible for more people. Yes. And, yes. and the, the churches that have reproduced involve digital and maybe some of their outreaches are purely digital, but that's mm-hmm. that's for another chart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love it. 
So good. Well, this has been fantastic. Friends, we've just barely scratched the surface trying to get you interested in actually dropping by ecfa.org forward slash surveys to pick up them. And again, they're free. I'm not sure how Warren does that, but somehow they're free. And uh, they're amazing studies. Well, and we'll I'll, be super I'll tell helpful. you how we do it. That ECFA's, <laughs> you know, several thousand members, a bunch of them are yes. into church planting. And so yes. this is serving our members and what we do with everything that we do to serve our members. It's like, hey, anybody else, if it helps you, we'd love to share it with you. Love it. Well, Warren, I appreciate that. This is like, I, I feel like this next question is like asking the the, the per, star performer in a play at the end of a very long run. They've just finished their, their Broadway run. They're 12, 15 weeks into the run and they just had their closing night last night. And, I, and the, someone comes to them and says, hey, what's your next play? Uh, what are you thinking about next? You know, what's the, what is the next Warren Bird study? Do you have anything on that front? And you can like that, that person say, can I just take a break? Like, can we get this one out the door? <laughs> but what is, what, any thoughts for the future on things you may be looking at next? I do have about five different topics that, <laughs> that I'm, I'm working on and thinking, praying about and, and yeah, exploring. And, uh, I look forward to unpacking those on another Rich Birch podcast. Yes, uh, love but, it. We'd love to have now, you come back. Rich, you are, uh, we're recording this the day after I finished the last analysis <laughs> and study. And, and what I'm having a happy time doing right now is is kind of thinking among to myself. So what was the biggest finding? What was the biggest surprise? What's the headline? What's, what's the biggest implication? What's the biggest challenge? Right. What do I wish I had, I had asked this, but didn't <laughs> ask? So- so for today, I'm still processing that, Love and it. then I'll circle back and uh, and start preparing the next projects. Love it. Well, cheering for you, Warren. You're a great gift to so many of us. Appreciate all your work. Uh, if people want to track with you, so we're, we've said it a few times, but ecfa.org forward slash surveys. Uh, is there anywhere else we want to send them online to track with you or with the great work you're doing? Yeah, um, ecfa.org slash connect. Or better okay. yet, ecfa.org slash pulse. Okay. That will that will everything I do will mm -hmm. be announced through there. Plus, there's just lots of free resources that help uh, churches and Christ-centered nonprofits to mm -hmm. do integrity well, which is what mm -hmm. ECFA is all about. Mm -hmm. um, how do you lead? How do you set up your board? Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. it's it's not an underutilized group, and that it really does partner with the mm -hmm. senior pastor or CEO or whatever. How mm -hmm. do we how do we do things so that the only stumbling block is the cross of Christ, mm -hmm. and not so some bad, foolish, or or even unthinking decision mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that uh, leaders have have allowed uh, their organizations or mm -hmm. or key people to go down. So yeah, um, love that. we'd love, Good. everybody can benefit from what the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability does. Yes, mm -hmm. Canadians too. Although you do mm -hmm. have a wonderful counterpart uh, up mm -hmm. in Canada. Um, the CCCC, the four C's. Yep. Absolutely. They're, they're good people. We love them. They do a good job. So, uh, good stuff. Well, Warren, appreciate that. Thank you so much for your time your, uh, today and for all your, uh, energy and, and enthusiasm for serving the church. Thanks so much, friend. I always enjoy to talk with you, Rich. And I read your unseminary, um, uh, I listen to the podcast and I read all the good stuff you put out. So, uh, I'm honored to be among 
um, that crowd. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.